If you would, open up your Bibles with me, please. If you don't have a Bible, we will get you one. If you can turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. You know, as we were turning there, um, as, as you notice, we talked about the children's sermon. We're talking about prayer today. And I'm going to look at prayers this way. It's probably the most ancient, most universal, uh, probably the most extensive expression of religious instinct. And uh, no matter if you're a Baptist, if you're a Pentecostal, if you're a Mennonite, if you're a missionary, if you're Amish, if you're Catholic, if you're a non-believer, um, you will hear each of those people say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for this? Can you pray with me right now? It, it doesn't matter your background. You'll hear people say those words. You'll have people who believe in prayer, in the power of prayer. I want you to think about when you hear people say that too. You're going to hear it at all different points and times in life. Whether it's crisis and tragedy or whether it's before a meal. It might even be after a sporting event or in a hospital. It might be at a wedding or other special events. But you're always going to hear these two words. Let's pray. And what happens when somebody says, let's pray? What's the first thing everybody does? Boom, their heads go down, right? We all know that prayer is valuable. We all know when we pray, then we're going to sort of get focused in and talking to the God of this universe. And as universal as prayer may be, and as much common ground we find in prayer, it's also one of the most controversial things, too. We still find it hard to pray. You know, some people say well, it's so inappropriate to pray before a meal when you're in a restaurant or somewhere like that. I mean, that's just keep your faith to yourself at your home. You don't need to pray here in front of everybody else. Or, or maybe, you know, you hear this, uh, especially with the graduation ceremonies going on, you're going to hear people say, oh, no, we need to keep that out of the school because there's separation of church and state. So... We shouldn't be praying at school. We shouldn't be praying during those special events, right? And they'll say it's not appropriate. But yet, if something bad happens, what are people begging for right away? Could you please pray for? Would you, would you just please pray for? And so many times, have, have you ever been in a situation where you've had people say, you shouldn't pray here, you shouldn't pray there, you shouldn't pray in those moments, that you just shouldn't pray, but yet those same people come back begging for prayer? when they're in need. And at those moments, there's maybe a little ounce of you that says, oh, so now you want to pray. You didn't want to pray before. So why is it so important now? I mean, if God's God, nothing's changed here, right? It's just a circumstance. But we don't do that because we understand how valuable prayer is, right? Maybe we, uh, maybe we struggle with prayer because it's not just maybe being a question of inappropriate or appropriate, but maybe we say, I don't know how to pray. I, um, I struggle with the right words to say, I, I can't pray like the pastor, I can't pray like that deacon, or I can't pray like my mom and dad, man. Did you ever hear them pray? I can't pray like Billy Graham, you know. And so we start putting all these people up there on the pedestal that maybe pray better than us, so then we sort of decline and say, I can't do it that way. So we just don't pray at all. Or maybe we say we're just too busy to pray. You know, Again, when it comes to prayer, we believe in it. I think we would all agree that we believe in prayer, the value of prayer. Uh, we know the scriptures about it. We just don't do it. Maybe that's the problem. We just don't do it like we should. So let me ask you this real quick. Let me step back from this for a second and say, are you too busy right now to pray? 
And a lot of times people say, Rex, you know, I, I didn't want to bother you because I know you're so busy. And I'm saying, I'm busy because you think I'm busy. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to call you because I think you had stuff going on. We all have stuff going on, right? I, I, I'm just a person who says, if I don't have anything going on, I'm going to go find something to do. So I wouldn't equate that with being busy. I'm just saying I'm active. Okay? So if you've got something going on and you need to contact me, contact me. Okay? If, I'm, if I'm too busy to talk to you, then I've got issues, okay? And I've got to work through that, and I've got to tame that down, okay? I guess sometimes this means my motor's revving at a higher RPM, and I just need to back off some. But are we all really too busy? I mean, let's face it, we're all busy, right? But here's the thing. I don't think busy means I'm important. I don't think busy means I'm great. It just means I need to slow my motor down. Clint Longenecker, he's a uh, professor at Toledo, shared this. He says, when we find ourselves getting too busy, we need to stop. And he said this is what stop means. Okay, so you can picture this. We've been using a bunch of acronyms this morning with chat. Now we're going to use stop. Okay, so S-T-O-P. Here's what he says stop means. First of all, you just sit. When you find yourself just overwhelmed, too busy, things going on, just stop. What you're going to do is you're going to sit. And as you sit, you're then going to think. You're going to observe sort of all that's going on. Okay, what's happening right now? Why am I feeling overwhelmed? Why am I out of breath? Why is my heart pounding so why did, I, why did I miss doing that? Because sometimes we get so busy, relationships fail because we fail to communicate. We don't listen. We don't talk. Uh, we're going from one place to another. So, so sort of sit and think and observe what's going on. And then after you've done that, organize it. That's the O. Organize. What do I need to work on right now? What do I need to focus on right now? Who do I need to call? What relationship do I need to mend? Sit. Think organize, and then he says the P stands for perform. Now go do it. Now that you've sat down and you've thought about things and you've organized things, now go do it. Instead of just doing, doing, doing all the time, you're just doing a lot of stuff, are you really doing the things that need to come first? So that was his thought on being busy, but here's what I thought about. I thought, you know, and I, and I know who Clint Longenecker is, and I thought, that's a great idea. Sit, think, organize, perform, but I'm going to change one letter on you, okay? The last part where it says perform, I'm going to say this, pray. Instead of perform, I'm going to say pray. So you sit, you think, you sort of organize your thoughts, and then you take that to God and pray about it. Because here's the deal. We can't, I don't think, learn or excel in prayer unless we actually pray. I want to learn more about praying. I want to, I want to excel in my prayer life. Well, you know how you do that? You pray. So just stop. Sit down. Think about all that's going on. Organize your thoughts and then take it to God in prayer. Take it to him in prayer. The Bible teaches about prayer. Jesus commands it. We see the value and the joy in answer prayer. We cling to the, the hopes of connecting with the God of this universe. That's what prayer is. But nothing enhances our prayer life except developing the habit of more prayer. We just need to pray more. So this sermon today, as I'm, you know, we said there's, there's two non-negotiables that we're going to be working on over the next year, and that is discipleship and evangelism. And one little area, just as this, I don't say it's called a precursor, but as a preparation for discipleship is prayer. I believe as disciples of Christ, as his followers, we've got to get better with talking to him. We can't just follow and not talk to him or listen to him. So that's what we're going to do with prayer. We're going to, we're going to talk to him and listen to him through prayer. And I want you to think about this. If there's anyone who could have sustained life without prayer, who would that have been? 
I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to think about We're going to just utter silence here as you think about this. Who's the one person that walked this earth that if there's anybody that could have gone through life without praying, who would that one person been? Who would have, who would have been? Think about it. You have the answer? Now, I'd say on the count of three, let's all say it, but I'm afraid that somebody might mess up. Then they're going to be really embarrassed, and they're not going to talk again. And every time I say, repeat after me, like, I'm going to say it. So they'll mess up again. All right? I'm going to give you a hint. Starts with J, ends with Jesus. Okay? So on the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. Yeah, because even though it sounds like it starts with a G. Okay, okay. Jesus starts with a J. I mean, really, think about his prayers. What have his prayers really been like? I mean, it's Jesus, the Son of God, three in one, part of the Trinity. I mean, when he started to pray, did he start off like, uh, dear me? <laughs> I mean, he could have gotten away with not praying because he is God in the flesh. I mean, if prayer was silly or unnecessary, he would not have wasted his time at it. But we know that Jesus prayed. Prayer was the dominant feature of his life and a reassuring part of his teaching. Prayer kept his moral vision sharp and clear. Prayer gave him courage to endure the perfect and painful will of his Father when he had to go to the cross. Prayer paved the way for transfiguration, and prayer was not an add-on to his life. It was a joyous necessity. Prayer was central in the life of Jesus, and we must understand this. It's not just the value of prayer, but it's the value of engaging in prayer. Oh, prayer is so important. Well, let me ask you this. How's your prayer life then? Well, oh, well, you just said it was important, right? Well, yeah, but, but what? If prayer is important, we do it, right? What I've discovered about prayer is that it's, it's the GPS of my life. Now, there's a reason that we're going to, you know, we're going to take four days of a 24-hour prayer vigil. On the back table right now, there's a sign-up sheet. I'm going to encourage you, before you leave today, sign up. Because this coming weekend, starting on Friday night, we're going to ask you to take a half-hour slot and pray. And when you sign up, we'll send you an email. We'll contact you and say, thanks for signing up. These are the things you can pray about during those 30 minutes. These are scriptures you can read during those 30 minutes as you pray. There's a reason we're doing this. Not to say, we did a 24-hour prayer vigil. We're doing it because we understand the value of prayer. We're doing this because it is our GPS for our church. We want to stay on direction with where God's going. And to stay on direction with God's going, we need to talk to him, he needs to talk to us, and we want to follow him. So this is very important. We want to make sure that the clarity of our decision that we make on a building is based on God's direction. So sometimes our directions aren't clear. And I don't, I don't know if any of you have this on your phone, and this, I'm going to apologize now if this becomes dangerous, Okay. Um, I've got GPS on the phone, and I have what's called Siri. You know, familiar Siri, that voice that talks back to you. So you ask questions, because as I do a lot of traveling, I, you know, you're not allowed to do this as you drive. So I push the button, and I talk as I drive. Help me out, Siri. Uh, send a text, okay? So if I do this, let's try it. Send a text to Troy Guy. Which Troy? Troy Jipe, Troy Roth, or Troy Armstrong. Send a text to Troy Gype. What do you want to say to Troy Jipe? It's not Troy Jipe, it's Troy Gype. But could you please tell Troy Gype that I appreciate him helping me out? 
I updated your message. Can you repeat that for me? Because I can't read as I drive. Okay. I updated your message. No, please don't send. I didn't want it updated. Just tell Troy. Thank you. Okay. I won't send it. Okay. Let's try this again. Can you please call Troy Guy? I'll just talk to him. That's easier. Hello? Hello? Good morning. Okay. This is why it's a dangerous thing, okay? Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to get. Matter of fact, I tried to do this as I'm driving down the road. I'm saying, oh, that competition called Pitch, Hit, and Run is coming up. And so I'm going to send a quick text to Tara Delgado and say, hey, does the baseball team know about this? Maybe we should send this out. I don't know if they know about this. So I basically said this to her. I said, Pitch, Hit, and Run competition is Wednesday at 5 o'clock to 6 p.m. at Biddle Park. Do you know anything about this? Would you want to send out a mass email to them? Now this is what Siri said. Pitch it and run, competition Wednesday, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Middle Park. The Jews know anything about it? <laughs> you want to send out a mass email to our team? I'm thinking the Jews, I didn't know if the Jews knew about it. I mean, I was hoping the Jews and the Gentiles both knew about this, but it's like, really? Okay, so here's the problem, okay? Our communication is poor, okay? I had a very simple conversation. I thought what I was saying was right on. Obviously, according to my gentleman on the phone, um, I was off and we both messed up and our communication was poor. Um, sometimes our directions aren't clear. I have to laugh. laugh. Every time Troy, I try to call you, I say, call Troy Gype, and it's always Jipe. So I say, call Troy Jipe. And so it's like, oh, Troy Jipe, I know him, okay. Um, but here's the deal. When we communicate with God, we don't have to worry about that. Isn't that so good? You know, could you imagine, Heavenly Father, I want to pray for Troy Guy. Uh, Troy who? Troy Jipe? Troy Armstrong or Troy Roth? Troy Guy. You know, we don't have that with God. And we don't have the mix-up of, God, you know, does anybody know about this? Well, the Jews know about it. I didn't say anything about the Jews. We don't have that miscommunication with God. It is a clear communication with God. There's no messing up of names. He, and here's the great thing. He knows what's on our hearts. So what I was trying to say and it gets all messed up, and sometimes I, I'm, as I'm driving around, then it's up. Hey, um, Carter, can, Colin, can you want to just check that for me? Because I don't want it to send. So, Dad, you don't want to send this. Because sometimes wrong words get put in, and it sounds really bad as you're saying it. And it's like, how did he get that? That's not what I wanted to communicate. And the great thing about God is God says, I know exactly what you want to communicate. I just want to hear it from you. And it's not going to get messed up in translation as it comes to me. And that's the incredible thing about prayer because he's all-knowing. He knows exactly what we're praying for. And, and we know this, right? We know that God's an awesome God to talk to and to share with. And there's not going to be an air of communication going back and forth. But the problem is we just don't do it enough. And, and I'm not going to, you know, go through, the, through the, the, the chairs this morning and say, okay, we're going to start over here. How many minutes a day do you pray? Okay, I'm going to come over to Doug. Doug, how many minutes do you pray? How many minutes do you pray? And we're not going to go through and add them up and say, well, we're doing pretty good. You know, and, ooh, only two minutes? Whew, let's go over here to Nate. And we're not going to do that, okay? Because I believe each and every one of us could sit here and say, you know what? We're talking about something that even Jesus did in speaking to his heavenly Father. 
something we know we should do, something we can't live without, I think we could all say, we can get better at this. I can get better at this, right? So here we are, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Let's read, because this is a, um, something you know, interesting. As we, you look through different scriptures and you see what's going on in Jesus. And in Luke chapter 5, after he's just healed somebody, he does an incredible miracle. Matter of fact, he had just gotten his disciples, um, pulled them on and, and become disciples. And then he does some healing. He does some incredible miracles. And then we get to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, Yet despite Jesus, we'll start in 15. Yet despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of his diseases. So he's got a lot of people coming to him. He's got a lot of people saying, I want to hear you talk. Just share more with me. Share more with me. Teach me. Teach me. Heal me. I'm sick. I've got leprosy. I've got this going on. And he's got all these people come to him. He sounds really busy, doesn't he? Looks like a lot going on. So what did Jesus do? Look at verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Did you hear that? But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Another translation says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was the practice of our Lord Jesus. He withdrew himself to pray. And not just on one occasion, but many. As you would read through the Gospels, you'll see he does this more than once. And we know that he does this more than once because he says he did it often. Often as in a habit of his. Withdraw, and when you look at this word, it means to, it's to pull aside. When you're taking a long trip somewhere, your back starts to hurt, your legs start cramping up, you get thirsty, you have to go to the bathroom, you're unsure of direction. As you're driving down that road, you're looking for a rest stop. You're looking for a place to pull over. And when you see it, it's like, I've got to pull over. So you pull aside off of the highway, the direction you're going, and you pull aside over to here, and you get refreshed, you get relaxed, whatever it is that you're pulling over for, maybe you just need to review your directions, whatever it may be, you're pulling off to the side to recalculate. That's what Jesus is saying here. He often withdrew. He pulled off to the side. Even though he had a great ministry going, think about this, he could have sat there and shared so many more incredible stories and lessons and teaching, right? He could have done how many more miracles had he not pulled aside to pray. There could have been 100,000 more miracles. There could have been all kinds of miraculous feedings. We know he fed 4,000. We know he fed 5,000 on another occasion. He could have fed 10,000 more on this one. He's like, this is all good stuff. I'm going to pull off to the side now because I need to recalculate. I'm going to talk to my Heavenly Father. Whether he needed to be refreshed or refocused, whatever it may be, he showed us that you've got to pull off every now and then. I don't know how many of you, when you, know, when you were younger, because I remember those days in college when it's like, oh, we're going to drive from Indiana to Florida nonstop. We're going all the way through. You know, and I don't know many of you when you're saying, buckle in. We're not stopping, kids. You're sort of looking at it like, but we want to pull up. No. You know, it's like, we're going, you know. And uh, some of you are smiling because you've done that with your kids, haven't you? You've done that before. You remember those days when you could do it? Now some of you are like, I've got to pull over 30 minutes, you know? I'm tired. I've got a bathroom. I'm thirsty, you know? You start doing that. We understand that sometimes we have to humble ourselves and say, it's okay to pull over. I really need 
to stop and recalculate. You know, I, I guess I am unsure of my directions. Or you know what? For me, if I can't send an email or text or something, I pull over. All right, I'm going to get this done now because I can't do it when I'm driving. You've got to do something, right? If, that's, if there's whatever it is and you're in that move in that direction, say, I need to pause and do it. Got a rough day going on? Got a bad call, some rotten circumstances? Maybe you've got great news. Here's my suggestion for you. Pull over to the side. God, I just want to talk to you for a little bit. I'm withdrawing right now because I'm going to talk to you. And when you read on here, it says where he withdrew to was lonely places that are in translation wilderness, which meant solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited. See, when Jesus prayed, he found a quiet place to pray so that he could focus on the one he was talking to. I know sometimes we can't do that. You're in a large crowd somewhere and you say, well, I could just go somewhere. I just need to pray to God. And you might not be able to do that. You might be stuck in a van with, in a 15-passenger van with 12 screaming kids and a couple of adult chaperones. You might be in a situation like that and you're like, I just need to pray right now. And you can't get out, right? So you're going to pray right there. But I think what we're learning from this passage is it's good for us to make it a habit to every day pull off to the side, find a quiet place, and pray and talk to God. That's what great relationships should look like, right? For those of you that have been married a long time, okay? For those of you that have been married 30 plus years, I think you could probably give us younger married couples advice saying, you know what's good in a relationship? For you and your spouse to pull over every now and then and to have that one-on-one communication build into that marriage, right? We would do that with our spouses. So why wouldn't we do that with the God of this universe? That's what great relationships look like, and that's what prayer is about. Prayer is doing that with God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. If you're in Luke, you're going to go back to the very first book in the New Testament, just back three books. The book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26. This is a, this is a scripture passage that I think a lot of times we overlook, at least I know I overlook in preaching on it, because it's a passage that falls, if we're getting close to Easter, we're focusing on the resurrection, we're focusing on the crucifixion, we're focusing on everything that happened in those last 24 hours with Jesus Christ, and we sort of skip the part when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Matthew chapter 26, let's start in verse 36. Verse 36. Jesus brought them to an olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go on ahead to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Then he went on a little further, fell, down, fell face down to the ground, saying, My father... If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you stay awake and watch with me for even one hour? Keep alert. Pray. Otherwise temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. And he left again and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away until I drink it, your will be done. And he returned them again and found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes 
open. So he went back a third time to pray, saying the same things again. And then he came to his disciples and said, Still sleeping? Still resting? Look, the time has come. I, the Son of Man, am betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. See, my betrayer is here. There's a lot we can learn from this passage, such as the humanity of Jesus Christ, his sorrow, and of course, prayer. And, and here's real quick, this is what I want to do in this last few minutes. I want us just to find three quick things about prayer. We've already talked about the value of prayer, the importance of prayer, pulling off to the side, getting alone in that solitary place with God and praying, right? But here's what I want you to understand, hearing it from this scripture right now. Repeat after me. Prayer is important. Let's do it one more time. With, but I want you to say it this time, like you really mean it, okay? Because if this is important to you, just say, prayer is important. Is it really important? Yeah, it's important. Okay, well then, well then, eyes wide open, shoulder back. Prayer is important, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Prayer is important. Prayer is so important. Prayer is important. Let me read this to you. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. If it didn't matter, Paul would have said, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul said also in Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all the time be praying. All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Keep praying for each other. You're driving down the road, you think somebody, pray for them. You get that little uh, card out of our bulletin, okay? Put that on your dashboard. Put that out somewhere you're driving down the road. Well, I just want to pray for so-and-so right now. Pray for them. Paul says, always be praying. Pray on all occasions. Pray for all the Lord's people. We need to pray for one another. You know, we talked about prayer, but truly when trouble arises, we need to pray. Look at here in Matthew 26 and verse 37, 38, when he says, he began to become sorrowful. He's heavy with grief. He's very troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me, would you please? What's Jesus saying? Listen, guys, we need to pray. I'm overwhelmed right now. And we hear that, right? When, when those tornadoes rip through Oklahoma, what do we hear people saying? Right? Pray, pray. We're hearing all kinds. We're hearing celebrities and athletes and, and the president. We're hearing all kinds of people say, pray, pray. Why? Because prayer is important. They understand that. We all understand that prayer is important. The question is, are we doing anything with that? Are we praying on all occasions? I think I said at the beginning, we would all believe that prayer is important and we would state that and we throw our shoulders back and we lift our heads up and get our eyes wide open and we say, prayer is important. Okay, then let's do it. Here's the second thing from the scripture I want you to see. That effective prayer is according to God's will. Effective prayer is according to God's will. Repeat after me. It's got to be God's will. Well, we can pray and pray and pray, but it's got to be God's will. It really does. It's submitting to God's will. In this passage, look at verse 39. He says, going a little bit further, he fell face down to the ground and he prayed. And what did he say? He said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus knows what's ahead of him. He knows he's going to be beaten to the pulp. He knows he's going to have his, his beard ripped. He knows he's going to have a, a thorn of crowns smashed onto his head. He knows he's going to be whipped. His flesh is going to be torn apart. His, he's going to be brutally spit upon and yelled names. He knows it's coming. But the worst is yet to come because he's going to be crucified on the cross and then he's going to be separated from God. He's going to be alienated from his father. Why? So that he can take my sins, 
and your sins from our past, from the present, from the future, he's going to take it all on him. The penalty, the punishment of what we deserve, he's taking it for us. He knows it's coming. And so he looks at it as if it's in the cup. He says, if you take this cup, God, I don't want that pain. I don't want to suffer. But not my will. Yours be done. See, effective prayers according to God's will. It's saying, God, I don't want this in my life. God, I don't want to deal with this. But you know what, God? It's your will, not mine. We consider the worst possible thing we could ever face and multiply it by a billion, and now you understand what Jesus is saying. So it makes sense. If it's possible, please remove this cup. Yet, not my will, but your will. So praying, to, praying for God's will to be done means putting God's interest ahead of mine. God, this is what I'm praying for. This is what I'm interested in. But God, if that's not your will, if that's not what you're interested in, then, then so be it. I want to be interested in what you're interested in. I want my will to match up with your will. And when we pray to him, we're not asking him, hey, change, change your will, God. To say, God, maybe the reason I keep coming and praying to you is because you're going to change me in the process of prayer. Our concern should be for God's glory, not ours. Our prayers shouldn't be selfish and self-centered, but that's okay. We go to him because we go to him saying, this is what I really want. This is what I really want. This is what I'm praying for. And God said, but that's not my will. But you can keep praying for it, but that's not my will. And as we pray for it, we soon discover that's not God's will for my life. We pray that bad things won't happen, that we'll be protected, or we pray that we receive great things. And if it's God's will, maybe it's not going to happen, or maybe it will happen. We don't know, but that's why we pray, God's will, your be done. We align our hearts with God. And that's not always easy, but that's the right thing to do. That's what Jesus did here, and that's the model he gives us. Praying in God's will means that we pray according to what's in the Bible, because that's God's will in his word. So we know prayer is important, and we know we need to pray for God's will to be done. But here's the third and the last thing, and that is this. We must be persistent in prayer. Let me hear you say persistent in prayer. In other words, keep praying. Keep on keeping on, right? Do we pray and say once is enough? You ever done that? I mean, now this, is, this could be a good debate right here, okay? I want you to think about this. I think I only need to pray for something once because if God is God, and he heard my prayers. He heard my prayers. He knows what I'm asking for. I should only have to ask one time, right? Because he's God. But maybe I should keep asking. But if I keep asking in prayer, does that mean I have weak faith? Because I keep going to him and keep asking, asking, asking. Or am I becoming like a begging little child that keeps going to my heavenly father saying, would you please, 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 please? I don't want to badger God. So should I pray once or should I keep on praying? What should I do? Make that a topic of debate for lunch today, would you? Here's the deal. I understand this from this scripture. We see Jesus return in verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed. And what did he say? My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And what did it say in the next verse? And he went again off the third time and prayed the same thing. Jesus went back, prayed again, Prayed again, prayed again. Prayed about the same thing, prayed about the same thing, prayed about the same thing. He was persistent in prayer. 
Even Paul told the Corinthians, remember he said this? He goes, I've got that thorn in my flesh. We always think about, I wonder what that thorn was in his side. But Paul said, what, I prayed three times for God to remove it, and he didn't remove it. He was persistent in prayer. I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to keep praying. But God says, no, that, that's there for a reason. See, in your weakness, you're going to see my strength. And sometimes God says, no. Because, why? Because you're going to learn something from this. I've got something better for you. Or you may not think it's better, but trust me, you're going to draw closer to me as a result of this. And that's my will. And so we say, okay, God, we're going to be persistent in prayer. And it's not to change God's mind. It's maybe to change our heart. So we become persistent in prayer, saying, God, your will be done. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. How long was this prayer, by the way? Did you read that? Let's go back through this. When he returned to his disciples and he found them asleep, he said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake and watch for with me for five minutes? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. For an hour. He prayed for an hour. But that's Jesus. I ain't Jesus. Keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body's weak. And he let them begin and prayed. And returned to them again. And he'd go off and he'd pray for an hour. We're sitting there going, wow, that was a long prayer. Now here, you know, I want you to hear this, okay? Sometimes pastors, people in ministry, put all these legalizations on things and say, you have to do this for this for this for this. We know... Paul says pray continually. Pray on all occasions. We know Jesus prayed for an hour. How long are we supposed to pray? I would say this. As long as you can. And then a little more. On all occasions. At whatever opportunity you can. Because we know this. Do you think anybody ever said, man, I spent too long a time in prayer today. Do you ever hear anybody ever say that? I wish I wouldn't spend so much time praying. I really wasted a lot of my time today praying. Have you ever heard anybody say any of those things? No. You'll never outdo yourself in prayer. So let's not worry about time limits. Let's not set little timers and say, I'm going to pray for this much. I'm just going to say this. Spend time praying. We, we put 30-minute slots on there because we say, if we can just split this up 30 minutes amongst the church, this should be not an issue covering up that, that sheet. There should be plenty of people saying, I'll take a half hour here. Matter of fact, I might take two and a half hours and do over here and over here at this time. I might just take the photo. Go for it. I don't care. There's no, you don't get like an extra jewel on your crown, okay? I'll tell you that right now. At least that, not that I'm aware of, but the value of prayer is incredible. Pray as often as you can. Pray as much as you can. And if it's like, I only, I, I just, it was just a short prayer today. Good. Thanks for pulling off to the side. Because you know what? Whether you pulled off the side because you needed to check into a hotel because you were really tired or you pulled off the side of the road because you needed a power nap for 10 minutes, whatever it took to get you refocused and back on track in the right direction, that's what you do. And I believe a lot of times that's what it is with prayer. I need to get back on track with God. I need to get recalculated. Okay? Prayer is important. Prayer needs to be lined up with God's will. Prayer needs to be persistence. We know this, we understand this from Scripture, so let's work on this together as a church family. Let's work on this, let's encourage one another. So here's, here's the really quick accountable stuff. Uh, worship team, why don't you guys come on up? Here's the points of action, okay? Everybody's getting out of school. Graduation has happened, we celebrated the seniors last week. It was great hearing uh, about all the seniors, their plans, and uh, some background about them. 
But if you were to say this, if you were to e- sort of equate your prayer life with school, okay? The school prayer begins with a kindergarten understanding of communion with God. And that is, God is almighty and powerful and I need to talk to him, okay? That's kindergarten level right there, okay? To graduate level, where are you at in school in prayer right now? Are you in elementary school? Are you in middle school? Are you in high school? Are you in college? Are you in your master's right now? Where would you say you are in your prayer life? Now, I'm, I'm throwing this out there for you because you have to honestly evaluate where you are before you can go anywhere. A lot of people say, I need to get better. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I want to pray more. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means this. If my prayer life right now is the equivalent to a sixth grade, and I say, you know what? I want to, I want to move on to seventh grade. I want to do the next thing in prayer. Okay, so what is that next thing in prayer? You never want to stay the same in your walk with Christ. You always want to be growing in Him. Everyone needs to graduate to the next level. Okay? So just assess where you're at is all I'm saying. Where are you at in your prayer life right now? After you've assessed that, be accountable. Find somebody that you can talk to and say, hey, I'm working on my prayer life right now. Will you be my prayer partner? Can I take my prayer requests and share them with you? Or, or can you just give me a call every now and then? Or send me a text, shoot me an email and say, how's your prayer life doing? Let's just hold each other accountable. Ask one another. Encourage one another. Okay? And here's the last thing. Act on it. Just set aside a place and time. Just go for it. Right? Pray on all occasions. Be persistent. Be specific on, on what you want to pray about. Sign up for that 24-hour prayer vigil. Act on it. Go do it. Go do it. It's great to come talk about it, right? It's great to search Scripture about it, right? But nothing beats doing it. Praying. I gave you an acronym with the kids to chat, right? Confess, honor, ask, thanks. It's really simple. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. And we're going to do that together right now. We're going to chat with God. Would you please stand? Let's chat with God. Heavenly Father, we come to you as as believers. We come to you this morning knowing that we are not perfect. Lord, some of us have made some mistakes this week. And Lord, right now, we're just going to stop right now in our hearts and just confess those mistakes to you. Some of us said things we shouldn't have said. Some of us boasted and bragged about things in such a prideful manner. It dishonored you. Some of us treated others in a very wrong way. Some of us have maybe lied or taken things that weren't ours. Some of us maybe looked at things we shouldn't have looked at. Lord, I know this. In the past week, each and every one of us in this room stumbled in one way or another. And we want to confess that to you. Because we know that you are a forgiving God. We thank you that you forgive us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, to take all of our sins upon him. He took that cup because that was your will so that we could have life with you. Thank you, God. You are loving. You are forgiving. You are almighty. You're the lover of our souls. You are able to do more than we could ever believe or understand. So we ask you, Lord, knowing all these things about you and who you are, we ask you just to help us get better talking to you 
Lord, may your spirit just thump in our hearts. Get us passionate about prayer. Lord, we ask that you help us as we go to work to make sure that we are sharing you with others, that we are bold. Lord, give us courage. We ask for that, courage. What a great thing we need. Give us joy to be able to have a smile on our face and express the gift that you've given us. Lord, help us to stop being so grumpy. Some days I can get grumpy. I forget the blessings that you've given me. Thank you for the many blessings. Thank you for a home, for food, for family. Thank you for a car. Thank you for this church, for chairs to sit in, for a Bible to read. Thank you for the sunshine that we get to see as we walk out of here today. Thank you, God, for being awesome and mighty. So, Lord, we're going to sing to you now. We get to sing to you, God. We get to praise you. So, Lord, let our song be an act of worship to express how much we love you and thank you. In that name we pray, amen.